What's up, what's up, what's up? I'm Brandman Sean. And I'm Corey. And this is episode number 41 of No Labels Necessary Podcast. You can catch us streaming every Tuesday, every Thursday on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. Of course, chopping it up about music, money, and the content economy as a whole. Now, the first thing we got to talk about today is five reasons no one is listening to your music. Five specific reasons. And they're relevant to many of y'all. Let's get into number one, which is not understanding data. Reason number one, we see it all the time, not understanding data. And the biggest reason that this goes into people not listening to people's music is two-tiered. Number one, look, if you're not paying attention to the feedback, maybe they just don't like this song, yeah. right? Understanding how to interpret data. But then the next level, let's just pretend people are listening to not literally not listening, but you're not getting anywhere near as many listeners as you should. A lot of times we see artists that will, they'll see some activity, but they don't know what to do with that activity. Mm -hmm. That's basically what it comes down to. I always say, yeah, it's like, it's great to have all the information in the world, but if you don't know how to interpret it, what you gonna really do with it? Yeah, you yeah. Know? or even, well, I guess to that point too, like even, knowing like how to read it to know what it's telling you exactly. Cause right. I've, we've had situations where, you know, clients will be complaining about other marketers they work with, but oh, he didn't do this, he didn't do this, this didn't work. And then I go look at that back and I'm like, I don't know, man, that shit was kind of going crazy. Maybe you didn't know what to look for and to, to see if it worked or not, but like, you're wrong in the situation, you know what I'm saying? So exactly. I think that leg boils down to like, oh, I don't understand the things that these people are looking to understand, so I'm just gonna assume. Yeah, because most artists, when they think of data, they think of streams, um, and income. Those are probably the two biggest KPIs artists yeah. care about the most, right? But as you know, most marketers and backend people know, there's probably about like 20 different analytics you have to care about in between those things actually being like matter. Right to get you to that point. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. What are you watching for? Exactly. So it's like you can't only seek to understand the end data point without understanding all of the other data points, like you said, make that even be able to be possible. Because there are like so many things you gotta care about before that really is the thing that you care about, right? Like optimizing things to streaming payoffs is probably gonna be the very last thing you optimize for because four or five different steps before that even is a possibility. Um, so, I mean, I guess what I, have been struggling to even think about is, you know, how do you even get artists to care about the data when the data a lot of times doesn't even become useful until they have some momentum, right? Because there's nothing to look at. So you don't even know what you should be studying until right. you got something to look at. And then, but you still don't know what you should be looking at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then on top of that, I don't know, I think we're slowly moving out of the phase of like artists kind of being anti-data. I think there's enough artists coming out and talking about like how much they look at it to where, you know, the artists that are paying attention and staying educated, they get it. Like I need to be studying this, but there was a weird point in time, bro, where like artists were very anti-data, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't care about what the numbers say. I don't care about what X, Y, Z says. I'm just going to do what I feel like yeah. is best. And it's like, you see numbers. So I can understand why you say that. But what I hear when I hear people already say that is like, Hey, I'm going to go against user feedback. <laughs> Yes. You know what I'm saying? The data, the data is just people telling you things and the only way they know how to listens, not listens, you know what I'm saying? Save, no save. That's the only way these people know how to communicate to you if they like something or not. And so this is you literally going, like, hey, this 10,000 people said they don't like it. 
I'm not going to do the work to understand why. I'm not going to look at, you know, why West making them say, I'm just going to like, hey, you're wrong, and I don't care about mm -hmm. the data. It's like, well, this 10,000 people could represent a bigger faction of people who are going to feel the exact same way, and you're just wasting your time and money. Versus, like you said, hey, this data could have told us this isn't even worth moving in the direction, and then maybe we save you $200,000, right, right? And so long-term is a, is, a, is a great thing that you got to see that work. Opposite, hey, this data is telling us we should move in this direction. And then we spend your 5K in a way that gets you the results of a 20K marketing campaign or something like that, right? So I think that's what people need to understand about reading data is that like it is, it, it is tedious in the beginning, you know, especially like if you don't have enough momentum to really understand how the different KPIs kind of like tie into each other. But most of these are things that you're going to be looking at for the rest of your career. So you have your whole career to like truly understand it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and get a grasp on it. But there isn't, there can never be any real harm into, you know, learning how to interpret it. Well, you know, I don't think there's enough people who actually talk about what that looks like, yeah. right? And go behind the dashboard, explain that, you know, we have that as well ourselves and brandmannetwork.com. Y'all can check that out. We have some courses and videos that explain how to look at the dashboard, how we think about it and reading data. So that's one thing. I think there's just not enough conversation about it. Because, like you said, a lot of artists aren't even at a point where they have enough going on that is worth talking about. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not enough data to make the decision. And then once I get to that point, well, I don't understand it and it's too late. Right? Yeah. So how do I make the decision fast enough? But just kind of breaking it down from a practical standpoint on how you translate that into meaning something in the real world. All right, let's use a YouTube video. All right. This YouTube video people are clicking on, but it's hard to just tell because it's by itself. So let's add five videos to make it even on um, better understanding. Oh snap, I see this video, people are clicking on higher than most of my music, my, my other videos on YouTube. Great. But if I look at the watch time, people are watching it less. So now I'm like, okay, that means my thumbnail was real on point. Maybe my title, whatever the topic that they saw before they got into the video was great. Yeah. I need to figure out how to do more of that. Yeah. But whenever they got into the video, that had an issue. So what does that mean? I need to figure out how to get my content better, whether that's a song, whether that's just a vlog video that you did, whatever that might have been, because they did show interest, but for some reason that dropped off. Yeah. Right. So it's telling you over and over again what they didn't like. Then you break it down even further than that. It's like, oh, well, in the first 30 seconds, I lost 80% of the audience. So that means, oh, the hook, right? The stuff I did at the beginning, they didn't ride with. And you can watch the stream on platforms like YouTube, at least, right, of how many people dropped off over time. You're never going to get that number as high as you want to. It's always going to feel offensive looking at it. You're like, hey, bro, only 20% made it to the end. But then when you realize that's just natural, it's not, it doesn't hurt as much. But it's all, it always sucks. Like, even all your best videos that did crazy. Right, you like, dang, bro, only 20% made it to the end, bro. Or it hurt when you realize the drop-off point is like when you come in. Oh, yeah. You're like, right. damn, bro, you lost interest when they got when they got to me. That's crazy. <laughs> right, right. So, like, but that's something to gauge, right? And obviously, translate that to Spotify. Got a lot of strings on this, maybe because it was your first song on the track because you got more songs mm -hmm. on the first strong song on your track. So when you realize more people are going to listen to the first song, just naturally, because they go to the first song on a project to start gauging the second one. No one just like, well, let me close my eyes and pick one of these five and see how it goes. That's very rare unless you like just in a mood, right? 
So they're going to start there. That means, oh, I need to start with my best foot forward, period. Whatever that looks like, the whole mentality of, oh, I have this project and I want to build it up. And then this the top song is going to be the third song. Whatever, you know, whatever way you might be going about it, you're like, nah, get rid of that. I need to come very, very strong from the jump. So then they'll like that so much that they want to listen to the other ones. Yeah. All right. Because you know that's going to get it. Or they're, they're streaming. They got skips. And I'm turning yeah. data on Spotify. Look at your skips, right? All that stuff is is informative, but you just have to be open to it. So we can get deeper into data, but at least be more, more open to data. If you look at it often, you'll start to be able to interpret it a lot better just from the standpoint, well, oh, dang, this usually does this, and this is doing something different, which is going to create some natural questions. Now, the second thing is pushing a song and feeding it content once a moment is created most artists once a moment is created they don't triple down right i've seen this again and again and we're going to talk about why later on uh, on the podcast um some things that some artists would be are dealing with that can be that are understandable and hurdles that you have to jump over mentally but a lot of them just straight up here's the moment and not understand that I don't understand that the moment means you got a 10 X effort, mm-hmm. not fall off. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. You got anything you want to add to that one before we go to the third one? Yeah. I mean, really, I think, um, I think sometimes, well, not sometimes, I think artists look at the moment as like the, I made it moment. Right? Yes. Like I have a viral video. This is what I've been, I've been posting five times a day just to get this moment. It's finally here and I can chill. It's like, no, this moment is actually the start of everything. This right. Start of now there's, mass attention coming to you. People are paying a lot more attention. Like, you know, we just, just talked about data. Everything is probably shooting up. This is the point where it's like, you really should be treating the moment you get your moment as if you just started over. Because yep. you, you, in a way you did, right? Because your first, your first iteration of your work was you speaking to probably nobody or not that many people. And now you're speaking to a large group of people. There's a different mentality that comes with that, right? There's, like you said, there's a different way you got to kind of move and and even producing, you know, the the simple way to say it really is just do more. You know what I'm saying? Like when yeah. like when when it hits, however much it took you to do to get that moment. Once you get the moment, do at least like 1.5 or two times more. You know what I'm right. It didn't even gotta be a lot more, but like a little bit more, and that instantly goes a long way. You know what I'm saying? 1.5 to two, just to build the habit, which you yeah. gotta go away. Yeah, go crazy. Yeah, like 10 is 10x is the ideal. Yeah. You know, think about it like this. There's a video game, and it's one of those video games where you can move around the world right the rpg rpg style right and there's this secret race that you're looking for all right you got your car you already know what you're gonna do like you got the whip that you want maybe you collected it you know gathered that but you need to find a location of this race and there's all this stuff that you got to go through in the game to find the location of the race you might have to battle somebody you might have to just you know wander somewhere and find in the corner of the world on the map. Right, some kind of side quest. What you find where the race is, that's when you have that moment. The moment is, I found the race, but now you got to run the race. So a lot of times people think, yeah, they are in the race already. You're not in the race until the moment comes. And what you got to understand is the career is built from individual races Mm -hmm. being ran over and over again. Song number one, oh, that's a whole race for this. Song number two, that's a whole race for that, mm-hmm. right? I might have my personality pop off 
and like some Cardi B style, right? And how her personality went. Well, that's a whole race. How do we maximize this brand and then make people really know who she is personality-wise, give her some sponsor deals, da da da. Right? Like all of these are races, and you have to pay attention when the moment comes and know that when that moment comes, I have to move heavy in this window because this is when the world's opening up for me. Like the world don't always open up. Like there's something I can't think of. It's like, I, I think of like movies when this stuff happens, it'll be like a moving board or something like that. And then every once in a while, like everything opens up for you and then you got to hop in and then shit closes again. And otherwise you have to wait to the next time it comes to hop in. But once you in, you in, but you probably got to do that same thing again. You got to wait for that next level to open up, hop in, take advantage of that moment. And now I'm three rooms in, you're still in room number one because you missed it. You're still waiting for the opportunity to come back around just to get back into the second room. Yeah. Like that's the way this thing really works. Of course, there's moments where you can go from room number three to room number five because, or room number three to room number 10 if the moment is really, really hot. Yeah. But that's the even rarer windows where you got five doors aligned, right? If you think about, let's just say shit's booming like a circle or whatever yeah. and everything's moving at a slightly different pace so I could go one at a time but it's that rare moment where all of them are aligned at worst burst through that you gotta burst through that bitch <laughs> and take advantage you know or some people might burst through and they only catch three of those five but that's really what's happening in this weird like universe yeah. little principles type of thing happen you know yeah. and the world's opening up for you at this moment you have to go in yeah, see, that makes me think of a that that analogy is beautiful, man. Appreciate the spinning wheel thing. Appreciate it. Put it in perspective for me, but thinking of that analogy, I think where a lot of issues come sometimes like the opening is the moment, right? And the spinning wheel is let's just say all the moments that you either miss it and hit. You see the opening there. I think a lot of artists will look at that and go like, "Oh, it's spinning around. It's gonna come back around eventually." You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like yeah, I missed it, but you know. I've already seen it and seen what it feels like, and I kind of have an understanding of what I did to get it. It's gonna come back to me. And I tell most artists, probably not. Probably. It's real. And it, sometimes if it does, like we've had clients before that have had multiple viral moments, right? And some viral moments are more massive than, than others, right? Yep. And exactly. so you might be like, yeah, maybe you got a moment that you missed out on that could have 20X'd you, you didn't take advantage of it, no more moments like that. Maybe it probably never come. That's the reality for most artists. Like you never get that type of window. Before a small percentage, moments might roll back around, and but that next moment might only be a two x multiplier, right? Or it might be they're one point five, and so it's like you got it, but it's not as big as the one that you didn't take advantage of. And I think a lot of that is like the artist's ego thinking, like, oh, I'm five. I made this shit happen. I can make this shit happen again. But we talk a lot of times about how, yes, like music is strategic in a sense and there are things that you know you, you can replicate and systematize for yourself but that's maybe 80 percent of the game and like the reality is that other 20 percent is like luck you know what i'm saying and you it's very hard to recreate a lucky moment yeah because you know sometimes the lucky moment comes from things that like even the people working you don't even understand you know but this is where it is especially at ground zero yeah all right or level one level two it gets easier when you get more attention mm -hmm. right you're on another level. So as you grow and become more established, more lucky moments will happen. The The doors will be wider, right? So you don't have to be as exact. Yeah. Kind of speaking of the spinning thing, you know, there's like this game at the arcades where you can like push a quarter down 
and it'll roll down the hill. And there's that spinning wheel, you gotta slide in there. Yeah. That shit's hard, but that window gets a lot bigger for a larger artist. Yeah. Cause there's just more opportunities coming their way. That's what it's like when you have more humans involved. So missing that moment, like what you said, Ja'Cory, where people think, yeah, I can make it happen again. Like I might have the talent, like future, like, okay. And he knows he could probably make another hit, but that's at future's level, making a hit in your own room when you don't have nobody to give it to. <laughs> that looks different. It's like, yeah, the song maybe technically is a hit, but it, it didn't hit the world. So it ain't not, going through the hit machine. It's not going through <laughs> the hit machine, exactly. So the way I look at it and why things are more complex, but simple at the same time is, so you have these wheels spinning, you hop in the room, you, or you could have a lucky moment where multiple of them are aligned and you hit those, but the idea and mentality of, Hey, I could do this thing again because I got the talent is what you is something that doesn't acknowledge that. All right. That door comes fit and you know, the door is going to come back around. But when that door came the first time, you know what that shit looked like? That shit like looked like creating viral covers on YouTube. Next time that shit came around, that shit looked like TikTok. It's a different thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not gonna be the exact same way to go through door number one every single time, yeah. door number two, number three. So it's like, yeah, you might still have the juice as in the talent there, right? The raw materials there, but the way that you take advantage of that same level looks completely different, yeah. right? Now we talk about TikTok. Neck back in the 90s, it was get signed just to get into through door number one. Different things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it might require a skill set that you aren't as strong at on by the time that thing comes back around. Or if you're basing it on your song specifically, that song might not hit as hard culturally. Yeah. Right? There's I mean, or you could have the reverse if you're lucky, right? The song could be better for the culture at that time later on. Yeah. But just know that there's a reason why people take advantage of moments and have this opportunistic perspective. Cause if you look at the stars, superstars especially you don't see kevin hart out there like the like you used to all right kevin Hart was going hard for a while you don't see cardi b going super hard and out there like you used to hold somebody else that i can name right you don't see drake out there <laughs> like he like he used to be out there right but when they were fresh outside and taking momentum they were everywhere all the time yep. why because if that window closed Drake wouldn't be Drake like this. Cardi B wouldn't be Cardi B on a level. You don't even see Meg. I mean, Meg also had the trial and all this stuff, but you still don't see her. You don't see Doja Cat on that level. Doja Cat was an artist for years, popping. She had her little, inter, you know, her internet level of fame and niche that she was doing well in. But then the bitch, I'm a cow moment happened. We crazy, kept going crazy. And it's usually going to be going crazy for about three years when we're talking about them on that level. And then you can start pulling back because you have, a new foundation to pull back from. Mm -hmm. But if you stop too early, it's going to be harder because you can't just create momentum. Like you can, you can do everything you can to encourage momentum. And, but there's different levels of momentum. You got the controlled momentum where, all right, I'm creating YouTube videos every day, or I'm creating music every day. And I optimize my whole system around my life that I have more, more, more momentum. I create videos faster. I create music faster. So it's getting churned out faster. And in that pressure, just 
slowly but surely gives me more and more attention. That's one level of momentum that you have control over. But that momentum where the universe opens up and gives you that extra, that's the part that you don't. All you can do is hope that I build my own personal momentum. I know how to execute fast. I got the skill set. And then when that merges, then we go back to the doors, right? Those two things come together. That's when I can go crazy, right? So, yeah, man, not taking advantage of moments is huge. And again, we're going to touch on this in a different way later on um, in this pod and some of the mentality behind it. But, like, the, the data and the moments actually go hand in hand. Yeah. Because of the reasons they happen oftentimes are artists, one, don't know that the moment is as big as it is. And it's hard. Like, if you have not been there, you don't know how big the moment is. Like, I always say this all the time just from, it came from pain. That was an insight that came from pain. Artists would be happy with their 2 million streams. And I'm like, bro, this shit could have been 50 million. Because we had done that again and again with other type of artists, right? But it's just like, yo, you don't understand what you're not taking advantage of. And then they never even hit close to that again. But it's like, man, if you hit that 50, then it'll be, it have been easier to flip them to the rest of your music, right? And build a name. So one of it is one of them, th- uh, the things is they don't understand. Like they hadn't been there before, which it's kind of hard. Like you, it's hard to completely fault, mm-hmm. right? That's why you kind of just have to work as hard as you can and like just take whatever comes, yeah. right? Yeah. But, but the other side is, like, so one, they hadn't been there, so they don't understand the context of how big the moment is. And other is they literally just don't understand that the moment's happening at all because yeah. some people don't know it. This is actually most artist situation. A lot of artists get, uh, I don't want to just say lucky, but they have these viral moments, right? Where it's obvious that, oh, this is where I should be doing some level of focus. This yeah. thing is working. Unless you have enough data which is where somebody like uh contract agency, our team, like maybe your manager, if they're more experienced, um, label heads, somebody who has some experience and has a lot of data and insight, they're the ones who can see something in a very small level of traction and realize, oh, this is where we should go. Yep. It's hard to do that as an artist. I get it, right? Unless you pay at least a whole lot of attention to your own shit. All right. But yeah. even when when we um that might have been in the free course, not the free course, the, uh, in the course that we got with JR. I don't know if y'all know about that, if y'all watch it, but we, we did an interview with JR McKee um, last week, but he has a course where he really broke everything down in terms of how he broke, um, broke money long from zero, right? We have that course. Uh, we'll put a link in the description to that course. When the, the moment that he recognized that this song is going to go crazy, it was only... He only did 900 streams a day. Mm. Somebody else, it might have taken him to get to 100,000. Yeah. So think about how far in advance he started taking the right actions versus somebody who might have completely missed it. They might not have noticed it until shit was too late. It was already over because yeah. they just now start, oh, snap, I need to get my stuff together. He's like, oh, this thing is at like, collectively probably was like 2,700 streams at the time. All right. It did like 600 and 900 and 1200. Like, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't at that many streams yet, but it's like, Oh, this little bit, I could tell where this is going to go from a couple of different things. Yeah. Which I'll 
you know, if you really are interested in how to break in and, and get into the context of, of course, check out uh, brandmannetwork.com slash something. It'll be in the, the bio. <laughs> I want to say shared information, but it's not, it's not going to be that one. We will put a link and I'll make it big letters to, so y'all can be clear which one has the uh, course we did with J.R. McKee. But that actually makes me um, get to the, the last thing, or maybe it's the fourth thing, which is not having a strategy, but but better said, not having a plan. Mm. So it's a little different. The exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, the thing which goes back to that that course, the ninety day blueprint, which we've used ourselves. Jr. obviously used to break money long, and, and many other artists. Having a plan will then dictate the value of everything else. All right, a lot of people are like, "Oh, let me just run some ads." And then try to make the ads perform the best they can. Let me just do an influencer campaign and then try to see what I can make shake around this. The value of having a plan makes you understand, well, is it worth doing the influencer campaign? Is it worth doing the ads? Is it worth doing content? It's always going to be worth doing content. Just, you know, but like, then how much am I gauging? Better said, is it worth doing this much for this song versus yeah. that song? Yeah. Right. So the the best example or the clearest example I always go back to is our client that was like, hey, I want to do a tour. Preferably across three cities in eight months. Right. Versus, <laughs> hey, run some ads and get the streams up. Yeah. Right. Which I mean, technically. If you have enough understanding, you could turn that into some type of strategy too. But saying, hey, I want to do a tour in three specific cities means it doesn't matter if the ads are cheaper, if it's not targeting a place that's specific enough that I can then tour. And it doesn't matter even if I'm building a decent amount of fans in a certain market, which technically I could have a show in, and it's not going to be a place that I can actually physically get to based yeah. on the way my life is set up. Yeah. Right. So everything starts to fall in line based on the plan slash strategy. And yeah, man, people just be out here winging it. Yeah, bro. That's funny because it makes me think of this campaign I did. This is like pre contraband, but I had this guy uh, who I was running ads for. His ass started going crazy in Brazil. And I was like, I'm happy about it, right? I'm like, yo, Brazil loves it. He's like, oh, that's cool. But like, bro, I got warrants. I can't leave the country. And I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, oh, shit. Okay, so we should be building you here, I guess, like in the US. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you move around at all? You know what I'm saying? I don't want to know too much, but like, but you're right, bro. Like, to him, he's like, but this shit don't matter because like the bigger plan, I can't even take advantage of because of my situation. And like, you know, that's an extreme situation, but we we do see see moments like that. Yep. Um, and I think we talked about it in a in a another episode too. But even the plan is really just meant to be like a god, you know, because there are no absolutes. There are you know, there's no guarantees when it comes to any of this. But the plan helps you identify one. You know, am I moving or th this direction I'm choosing to move in? Is it the right direction? The plan will will help you, you know, be, be clear on that. And then two, you know, going back to the data and, you know, learning how to identify moments, like going through the plan over and over will make it easier for you to identify those things, right? Like I said, let's use that client's example of break into these specific cities. If I know I want to break into these three cities, I have this strategy to, to do it, and I run it for song one, two, and three, 
and then I get to Psalm 4 and I see something different than what was happening 1, 2, and 3, I now know that, hey, like, one, this plan makes sense, right? Like, there, there's something here. And then two, like, something is clearly up with this song to where I should put a lot more emphasis into it. So, like, the plan would give you set parameters to be able to gauge these things subjectively, you know what I'm saying, or objectively, you know, and be like, able to say, like, okay, this is why, this isn't why. Um, and, you know, I just, I always look at it as more of like a, it's like a map, you know, like getting your Google map directions. If Google tells me that the quickest way to get from my house to Sean's house is this way, I'm following that path. Now, as I'm driving, you know, sometimes Google will update and be like, hey, you want to save five minutes on your drive? Go this way, right? And to me, I see that as like the random moments that come up while you're working on the plan, right? Hey, I know that the, the way to Sean's house is this way, right? The way to me doing what I want to do is me following this path. But if something comes up that reroutes my destination and possibly gets me there faster, I'm going to do it and move on. It was like, like I said, that shit comes out. Hey, you can get to Sean's house five minutes faster by taking this exit, taking that exit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want that five minutes. So to me, like, that's all the plan is, is like just a set direction to stick to. Um, until you see something that tells you something different or you, you get enough feedback a day to say, like, hey, this plan isn't it. And a, a, I think a great recent case study that we have is, is Adrian's campaign, Adrian Millennial's campaign, you know, because Adrian's a client of ours that, like, two months ago um, started going viral in, like, Thailand and the Philippines and things like that, right? He had the, 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 the charting web, the, the, uh, the viral 50 on you know, Spotify and things mm -hmm. like that. Bro, this whole, like, Philippine, you know what I'm saying, Thailand audience that Adrian popped in, like, we've been working on that shit for the last three years. You know, I remember the conversation when he told me, yeah. hey, I want to really focus on these certain Asian markets because of, you know, this is what I'm kind of seeing. This is what I'm kind of seeing people like about me and who I appeal to. And I just want to focus on this area. And it took three years for that plan to 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 reward him with what he was looking for, but it worked. You know, imagine if it's someone in the plan where he was like, oh no, this shit ain't moving fast enough. Fuck working these markets, we're just gonna work you wherever you want, wherever it works, right? To your point, like, hey, we're we not gonna have a real strategy about we're just gonna go to whoever likes you. Um, who knows if you would've had the same impact, you know what I'm saying? Like, if that would've hit, but it took him three years of working on the plan to get that return that he wanted. And so, yep. you know, so that's that's how I look at it, man. It's like, it, it, the plan is meant to just be like a God, you know? We're not ever saying like, hey, you, you have to 100% stick to it, but it's like, stick to it long enough to learn if you should stick to it. See, much. that's why I like, <laughs> and by the way, the, the URL is going to be brandmannetwork.com slash shared information home, shared information home. I'm going to put that link in the description again because that's long as hell. Sorry about that, y'all. <laughs> but <laughs> the beauty of it and why we built out the plan was with all those elements in mind, right? So we have our 90-day blueprint, but, but within that, there are spaces and places to make those adjustments so it still moves you in the right direction. Because a lot of times, people have these opportunities like, oh, shoot. There was a traffic accident that happened, but now here Google said there's this other way to go on GPS, but they'll just go that other way and they won't be going towards the same direction, right? Yeah. Like, obviously your GPS, that's what this is, right? Yeah. Here's a different direction to the same goal. Yeah. That's the beauty of GPS and that's kind of what this, that's what this is for us versus, oh, here's another opportunity, but you don't realize that opportunity just took you off a ledge and just yeah. killed everything else. Yeah. And I think that's part of not only not having a plan, but also not understanding the implications of each steps and understanding after years of not only getting to the point where we realized the need for a plan, but then started to realize other people's needs for a plan was a huge inspiration of why, uh, 
you know, us and JR linked together to actually provide this for us. Because that's, you know, this is the kind of stuff that's usually just like behind the cuff sauce. It'd be a conversation, even the conversation we'd be having with <laughs> motherfuckers at dinner. We'd be like, can we talk about this online? Yeah. Like, <laughs> this one was a, a lot of, can we talk about this? Like, this is a lot of like, dang, I cannot be believe we're putting this in here because we ain't never done nothing like this before. But, yeah. you know, so y'all grab that while that's still up. Yeah, I mean, y'all look at Sean, nice guy. I was trying, I was trying to text him. Sean was like, "No, nah, man, we gotta make it cheap for everybody." But I don't even know. I'm trying, yeah. you know. <laughs> but hey, man, you know, you know, you know, we we, we text the, the label, the labels enough for it. So <laughs> we we gonna give the sauce to these folks, but for for a little bit, we'll see how long that go. So yeah, y'all move before Jacory Wayne's over. <laughs> <laughs> now, with that being said, the last thing actually. I did. There was one more thing. We can speak on it shortly because I want to get to the next thing. Okay. Is not understanding your target audience. Well, that's a big. That's a big one. Man. Right. That's a huge one. Right. Most. Of, it's funny, man. It's it's a really interesting thing to realize with artists when like most of them don't to see that they don't understand it because if you ask that the artist that same question about another artist, like they could clearly define that other artist. Yeah, but then you go into them and just said this right about Adrian. Yeah, Adrian understood and look where it got him. Yeah, facts. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, but I think I don't know, man. Like, I I don't. I think it's just, it comes from artists not wanting to compare themselves to people because we know one of the best ways to figure out a target market is to look at other people who are doing what you're doing. But in order to do that, you have to admit that there are other people doing what you're doing, which <laughs> I feel like is the part that most artists don't want to do. Right? I, I actually literally just had a conversation with a he wasn't a music artist; he was a tattoo artist. Like like last night, I was talking to him. And he was like, I man, I don't even know what to describe my genre of art. And then somebody with us was like, yo, you should call it like neo soul art. And he's like, I'm about to look at it. That's fine. I'm about to look it up and see if it exists. And then he looked, he's like, oh, man, that's already a hashtag for it. And I was like, bro, that's a good song. I was, he's like, <laughs> he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, because if there's a hashtag for it already, that means that, that means that there's a market for it. If there isn't that, that means you will have to create that market, bring interest to that market, and then build it from ground zero, which is not what you want to be the first one to do. You maybe want to be the 10th person to That's just the hardest thing to do in business. <laughs> Investors, they don't like having to be the ones who educate and create the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Why? Because that shit is expensive as hell. Yeah, well, it takes a long time. And you don't know how big the market's going to become. And you don't know if people are just going to mess with it at all. Yeah. So let's find out when the market's been educated. They care about the thing already. And now that I see, now I can cap. Yeah. Yeah. I could come in and just do stuff right. I don't have to be the pioneer getting the arrows in my back. Making people believe and shit. They say it's not the first; it's the first to do it right. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, and that'd be the thing too, man. It's like you know, when you are the first in this space, like you're essentially just opening the door for somebody else to be more successful. That's the that's the harsh reality of it. You know what I'm saying of everything. Think about yeah. Think about the motherfuckers that made the first cell phone. You know what I'm saying? They probably looking at Apple today, like, damn, man, we, I wish we could have had like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like back then, but hey, we needed you, the pioneers of Apple, could be Apple today. You know what I'm saying? It's just the nature of the game. So. I think that's a big one. Just like artists have a, a weird thing about comparing themselves to other artists and, and doing that, that that work to look. So what I've told clients before who I know think like that, I was a, a beautiful method that's worked for me so many times. So. But I always tell them to do is like imagine, close your eyes and imagine that you are opening for a bigger artist, an artist bigger than you, right? Who do you see yourself opening for that their fans wouldn't boo you? So, for example, if Kodak Black opened for Taylor Swift, they booing that motherfucker. Taylor Swift opened for Kodak Black, 
They definitely booing her. You know what I'm saying? So oh, def- that boo is gonna be stronger. Yeah, that boo. Ten of them is getting super boo. <laughs> Might get some shit thrown at it, like for real. But it's like th- that seems to get them to get it because in that moment it's like, oh, I'm not comparing myself to this artist artistically. I'm more so saying like, hey, this person has a group of people that would like me, right? Which is same shit, but whatever makes you get yeah, you're looking for fans. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think like, but that's usually the first starting point of understanding your target is like you either need to find other people with the audience you want and then use the, all the data they've built in the community they've built to like start studying these people and learning how they tick and move and where they hang out and things like that or or which most do it's not bad but most do you guess and then you target those people and then you learn from the feedback hey i think that 18 to 25 year olds who like skateboarding and cars will fuck with me i'm gonna run an ad to those keywords so these ads are doing twelve dollars and fifty cent a cost per click. Guess I was wrong. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like maybe I should be targeting myself to this demographic. So you know, yeah. there aren't necessarily super cons of each. I do think studying other arts makes it move faster. You know, um, especially if you have a very like clearly identifiable like music genre or something that you're a part of. Um, but yeah, man, I think to, to me, like understanding the demographic goes back to. Artists does not want to take the time out to understand consumers, their consumers and how they behave, right? And so we know that the fans of different genres of people, they move differently, they think differently, they 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 jump on certain things a lot faster than others, right? Like we talk about how, like for example, country music artists fans are way more likely to buy like physical stuff because country artists typically aren't that big on the digital wave. You know what I'm saying? They're not they're not usually the most like content credit heavy artists. You know what I'm saying? The country industry in general is like very traditional. So a lot of those traditional things that worked in music 20 years ago still work for country today. Versus rap fan base, a lot of this shit is, is archaic. You know what I'm saying? You go, you go to a country music fan, like, hey, buy a CD. Great, beautiful, right? You go to a rap music fan, like, hey, buy a CD. Oh, bro, CD, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's the Spotify, right? What's your, what's your, what's your Twitch, shit like that, right? So, but knowing that that's how these group of people thinks, you know what I'm saying? Beforehand, we would produce different results. It would have made the country artists more money because they would know to go get some CDs pressed up. It would have saved the rapper some money because he would know not to go get some CDs pressed up in the first place. You know what I'm saying? So it's like understanding like how these people that you want to be fans of you think, move, and all that shit literally will dictate how successful you can be in, in, in multiple individual aspects of your career. And it's such an easy like first step. And like, like very, very easy. It's the, probably the easiest first step of marketing in general. Once you figure that part out, everything else gets different. I don't always say different. Everything else gets very much so like trial and error. But like demographic, man, you know, you can start by just looking at the people around you that like your music and then learning more about them as a person. Damn, Sean really fucked my music. Hey, Sean, what else are you into? Okay, Sean likes football. Sean likes this. Sean does this on the weekend. Maybe I should start targeting and talking to people who do these things because Sean is such a big fan of my music. Hopefully I can find more motherfuckers like him, you know what I'm saying, out there. So it can literally be as easy as that, right? Um, I'm really big on whenever we get clients, if I can think of somebody in real life that I think would like their music, I literally would hit that person and just start like, I'll hit them, start talking to them about it. I'll go look at who they're following and what they keep up with and then you know, bring that back to the marketing team. Like, hey, I know a person in real life that likes this type of shit. This is what they look like on, you know, from a profile. This is what we should be targeting. You know what I'm saying? Like that shit, it's not the hardest thing to do. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 So facts. Well, look, I'm- on the other tip, there's five things that artists do to self-sabotage themselves. 
Probably more than five. We're gonna, we're gonna stay on these. We're, gonna do yeah. five. we're probably gonna go overboard. We're gonna oh, we're gonna over deliver. Every one of those part so, six topics. You know what I'm saying? We yeah, we gonna we gonna over deliver. Right, imagine. <laughs> However, there's five things that artists do to self sabotage themselves, and let's talk about them. All right. Now, the first thing which we already touched on is artists experiencing anxiety when they blow up. Such anxious creatures. Right? That's the result. That's the underlying thing about it. The anxiety is like the answer, what they're dealing with. So we talked about not leaning in because of the data. You don't realize it's a moment, right? Or you don't even realize the data is saying that this should happen. But the other thing is literally, all right, I remember talking to the artist. It was like, yo, man, I was blowing up. I was going super viral on TikTok. And, man, it was just so many comments and things. I couldn't deal with it, man. I just stopped going on TikTok for that period of time until everything died down. Crazy. Hey, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a different way of thinking. But we've had clients delete their accounts, bro. Like, just wake up one day, like, ads will stop. Like, man, why the ass stop? And then their profile is going, like, bro, you, you good? You hacked? Nah, I deleted it. Like, yeah. what? Because <laughs> we did our job. That's how good we are. <laughs> clients done deleted their accounts because we were too successful at their job. Now, with that being said, you just you mentioned uh, somebody, I don't know, you talk about it, like they had some success and deleted, started deleting comments It wasn't an artist. I'm like, oh, oh, well, we gonna try well, not to well, put well, nothing well, out there if I can't put it down, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, bro, we have so many examples of this. It's not, it's not funny. <laughs> Literally, like, bro, I could, I could think of at least three examples of this from every year. That we yeah. Like the most, but every year it happens, right? Something. We had a guy on our TikTok book camp. I don't want to say his name. Okay. You probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He had the massive, he had a massive viral moment in TikTok in 2019. Crazy. Probably one of the most viral songs of that year. And I remember when he joined the boot camp, we were talking. I was like, man, like, you know, you got such a crazy moment. Like, why is your TikTok so slow now? Like, are you like algorithmically getting fucked up? Or like, what happened? He was like, oh, no. I took like a year and a half break from TikTok. I'm just now, the boot camp made me get back into it. And I was like, why? He's like, I, I just, he was like, it was so much. I'm getting millions of views a day, all these likes, all these views. And I couldn't deal with it. So I deleted, I took a break from TikTok. I deleted my Discord that had like 8,000 people in it. And me coming back to y'all now, me trying to get back there. I'm like, trying to get back. <laughs> You'd be lucky if we can get you, we can point you in the right direction of that path again, bro. You'd be lucky if we can get you that far, a lot of be real. So, it's a, it's a real thing, man. I never knock. Like, I I do on one hand understand it because I remember when, when I first started making YouTube videos, I was the same way, bro. Like, the comments and, and DMs would stress me out. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's difficult going from a position where nobody cares about you to all of a sudden a lot of people care about you. So it's a very, like, it's, it's not for the weak, you know what I'm saying? It's a very hard thing to, like, get through. But then once you get through it, you know what I'm saying? It's pretty easy. Yeah, they're playing, you know? <laughs> I mean, there's levels of it. Okay, yeah. I, I can't imagine, like, overnight having Justin Bieber attention. Yeah, facts. I, I probably, I probably going through that phase <laughs> all over again. Like, oh, dang, this is crazy. Yeah, so, like, we get it. And I think more important, because we don't want to just talk about the issues and not doing something right. Yeah. It's understanding how to work through it. And in the moment, when something happens, you've watched this episode at this point, you understand the value of momentum and how hard it is to recreate and go through those doors. So when you have this window open up for you, just put your head down. You can ignore comments, honestly. And in moments that there's crazy momentum, I know people talk about like, respond all the comments, listen to the fans, da, da, da. If the momentum's happening for you, it's proven, Yeah, right? It's there. 
and this is if this isn't the most ideal scenario, but if you are going through it and you're having that type of, you know, energy where it's like, I, I don't know if I can do this, it's hard for me, then put your hands down. You know, I'm supposed to be creating content, create the content, put it on there and then keep pushing. You know what I mean? Create content, put it on there, keep pushing. You know, maybe look at how the content performed overall and say, okay, do I need to lean into that a little bit or go through like a time it? Let me do a three minute scroll through these comments and be, just so I can learn enough and then keep pushing for your ads. If you have uh, ads going on, look, that's beautiful because you don't have to get on the platform at all. You don't have to read the comments and see how the ads, uh, people are responding to all influencers because those are often times when you have these moments anyway, that's when you start to expand into multiple types of marketing instead of just pushing down one anyway. Yeah. So a lot of them, especially when we're not talking about content, don't even require you to be heavily involved on all the platforms. Yeah. All right. And, and see and consume everything. So the content being the hardest thing, just put your head down. Don't necessarily even read the comments. And if you read the comments, make it short or time. So you kind of stay disciplined, not get lost in the sauce. Yeah. And, you know, you might still end up taking some, some things on the chin, but from my understanding, it's not just about whether a, a comment is negative or not. Cause that's the crazy part about it. It's, Hey, I'm getting a lot of positive comments and it's still overwhelming. Yeah. Right. The energy to respond back. Is there a lot. The energy to respond back, all that stuff. You can kind of, you know, let that fall by the wayside a little bit, but you got to lean into the things that continue to create more attention. Yeah. And and I think that's a, that's a big one. Cause I, I talked to an artist, um, who was like pretty big on TikTok now. And he was telling me that there was a point where he wanted to take like a long break from TikTok. And what he did was he shot enough content that he could just like upload it to one of those like auto uploaders. And then he just had it on like, you know, running on autopilot for like two weeks while he took a break. So yeah. he's like, you know, you know, if you were paying attention to the fact, actually no, even to give the whole thing away, he had that happening. And then he hired like an intern to respond to comments and things. So that was a two week period where he was taking a break and his audience didn't even know, you know what I'm saying? He's in the background getting his mental together, figuring himself out. And the audience has no idea, right? Because mm -hmm. things are still running as usual. So he he was still able to get that the mental health break that he needed without having to kill off his momentum and kill off his career. Because that's that's the hardest part about it. Is like you know, like on, on one hand, I, I understand from a mental health perspective, but on the other hand, it's like you know, like we just talked about, but you might not get the window again. You know what I'm saying? Like so, part of me wouldn't tell you to suck it up, push through, and we'll we'll you know we'll. we'll Get you, get you some therapy with the new money that just came in. <laughs> like, what's that shit? The account. But I do get it. You know, like I said, I think, you no, know, we, we have the unique perspective of having gone through it ourselves to some degree. Well, I definitely understand it, you know, because I was like, like I said, when I first started making videos, I think I told you, but there was a time where I didn't read the comments on YouTube. I, just, I didn't start reading the comments on the videos until probably like 2021. Like, I went the whole first two, three years on the channel and never read the comments. First time I ever came up, my little sister texted me and they was like, yo, they love you in all the videos. Oh, for real? So yeah, I'm reading the comments. You never read the comments? I was like, no, oh, never. She's like, you should go look at the comments and see what they're saying about you. But I was like so nervous about it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I get that. Um, and you know, one thing that I've learned to do, well, at least when it comes to the comment thing, is like strategic comments, right? So if I get a, let's say a comment on the video and it's 10 flame emojis, I'm not going through and responding to all 10 flame emojis. I'm liking nine of them. I'm responding to one with a message that's really speaking to everybody. I'm pinning that comment and letting everybody else that trigger through see that, right? So now it's not like, how didn't ignore y'all. I just chose um, 
a better billboard from to to reciprocate my love back instead of me individually replying. And DMs might be different. DMs I might let DMs stack up and then respond to them when I have time. Like I personally have a like a schedule where like I usually respond to my DMs maybe like every like two or three days or so. You know, let them stack up and then get back to motherfuckers. Pick a time out of day where I got some time and then I'm, I'm responding back. Right versus like feeling like I have to respond as soon as the DM comes in. Because I think that's the other side of it too is that you're so excited because this hasn't happened to you before that you feel like you have to handle all these things in the moment. Not realizing that, you know, there are some elements of it that, yeah, you should be like that. Like we talk about like content and things that keep the operation going. But a lot of it, you don't have to be like that. You know what I'm saying? Some of it, you can just let it stack and, and, and use the momentum and the energy to build a process for yourself because this is new. You never had the chance to practice for this, really. You know what I'm saying? There's no like, there's no viral DM simulator that, you know what I'm saying, you can push people to go through to learn. So it's like, this is a, a real life learning moment. Like, you are not going to be able to 100% get down anyway until it happens you know there are things you can do to practice that's why i'm a big advocate for artists going like live and doing live streams and things i'm like hey, you can build that muscle of talking to strangers and maintaining your energy and you know the muscle that it takes to be entertaining to 10 people is the same muscle that it takes to be entertaining to 10,000 people you know what i'm saying from, from a base perspective it's a little stronger right but it's just the same muscle from, from the from the um from the ground up and so yeah i just i just feel like you know it's, it's if you were planning on being successful which i'm assuming most of the people listening to this are that means it's a problem you are not going to be able to avoid you know yeah. it's, a, it's inevitable you know what i'm saying like this is might as well start thinking about what you're going to do when it, when it gets there then um but that would just be my advice to those people is just like hey man you know um like you said at least figure out a way to keep the business operation going while you work mm-hmm. on helping yourself even if that looks like outsourcing people or you know getting interns or shit paying people you know what i'm saying sometimes that's the beauty of paying people bro like i'm so stressed out i don't want to think about this all right sean i'll pay you to think about this I'm like, I'll, this shit this shit kills me you know what i'm saying like so i don't want to do it so but the beauty of it happening in that moment is that you have so much attention that people would gladly help you, you know what i'm saying versus when you're a small artist and nobody really wants to help you you know what i'm saying so it's like you can even leverage this like you can thug it out long enough to use the attention to leverage building a team to help you with it like you will be good but like i said from watching some of our clients who have done it they don't allow themselves to get to that point it's just like me like oh this is overwhelming I'm about to just leave my account right you know what i'm saying oh this is overwhelming i'm about to just deactivate shit and stop responding to people you know we but we got a client from like 2020 i'm still nervous about i'm i'm waiting for him to DM, email us is that because we, we tangled on a little bit of money but we haven't heard from him since he never responded by the emails he deleted his instagram account he deleted his Spotify and his shit was going crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like his shit was well, not crazy. It was probably like, I think we did a two month campaign. The first month didn't go that great, but then month two shit started like really picking up. And that's when he started seeing bro, like he's getting on the meetings, looking tired, looking distraught, you know what I'm saying? And then he just ghosted us one day, bro. Like we ain't heard from him since. So like, that was like two, that was like three years ago at this point. It was a three, two, three years ago. Bro. Shit is wild, bro. Shit is wild. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. So all, <laughs> all being said, touch on anxiety one more time before we move on. Like you talked about how people feel a need to like respond or just do all the activities immediately, whether it's DMs, liking everything, create more content, all that. It's also that human element, right? Because it is still social. Mm-hmm. And people feel a need to respond to every DM. Every DM doesn't deserve your response. Facts. <laughs> and I think you would get this idea, because it is another person on the other end, mm-hmm. 
and it's a discomfort. Like, well, what if they don't like me? Are they judging me because I'm not responding, thinking that I'm an asshole or something like that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. people develop this story of how the other person is now perceiving them because I didn't respond, let alone responding in a timely manner. And it's something that you have to, like, just realize. So maybe if someone does feel a certain way, they're just going to feel that way. But one, there's just going to be people who feel a certain way about you anyway, ground or not. Once you have a certain amount of people looking at you, that's just the game. And then secondly, look, if they, a lot of people understand there actually a lot of people understand you have an audience or your life just might have other things going on. So some people you don't respond to quickly, but when you get to them, like you're great. Best believe as an artist, especially the timeliness around what y'all respond to is not as important and important as the timeliness of shit we have to respond to. And people are still okay. Cause sometimes people are like, Hey, this is happening right now. What should I do? Y'all will probably be showing love or, you know, talking about something that's more evergreen of a, of a topic versus something like, Hey, this is going on right now. Or I just got reached out to by a manager and how do I negotiate it? It's like, dang, this is a month later. Hope that negotiation went right, bro. Like, I'm like, bro, I'm so sorry. I hope that turned out well for you. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel. It's like, yeah, it's like, I, I, I just now see it. I'm sorry. But yeah, I hope it went well. Or how did it go? And you go from there. So a lot of cases, you know, um, y'all won't fortunately have to deal with those types of things. Um, and I mean, I know there's probably some scenarios that they will in a way, but I don't even want to get into those. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's another thing. Now, the third thing. Well, actually, that was the second, first. The second thing. Yeah. All right, we'll move faster on these other ones. The second thing is paying attention to other artists. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, facts. Well, okay, are we saying, like, what's two, two flips of it? Let's yeah. do, <laughs> this is us going into another <laughs> level. Like, we said it's going to be some bonus. Here it is. We found one. Let's say paying attention to other artists first from my perspective, because I already know both of them. <laughs> <laughs> the first perspective, we can be quicker with this one is watching somebody else do what they do and thinking I should be on that level. Uh, looking at their results. Right. Let's 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 focus on that one first. Okay. All right, okay. Yeah. So y'all need the second one though. Second. The second one is funny because we already touched, we touched on the second one. But um the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Mainly because their lawn is not your lawn. You are how you not you might not be using the same quality of mulch. You might not have the same um, blaze on your lawnmower, yo, yo, lawn guy might not come around as many times a week. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I can't look at my neighbor who got, you know, a 2K a month lawn care budget and be like, damn, man, why is his, his lawn so much more beautiful than mine? Person that only has time to cut the grass twice a month. Yeah. And, you know, what's the saying? Comparison is the people joy or something like that. You know? and, and a lot of times, bro, like artists will psych themselves out of smart moves because they're comparing themselves to bigger artists. Like, great example. How many times, how many times, Sean, have we gotten comments on something and they'll be like, oh, we'll give them advice. And they'll be like, the weekend didn't do that. Drake didn't do that. Jay Z didn't do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, fucking, I don't know, BMX didn't do that. You're like, nigga, like, where's the different people in different times and you can't compare their come up to your come up because 
Jay-Z didn't have Instagram when he was coming up. Jay-Z had Instagram back then. We've been telling him the same shit, but he didn't. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We can't. We can't control that. Yeah. And so, you know, I think a lot of times what artists are trying to do is they're trying to use bigger artists to justify, like, why they don't want to do certain things. Not realizing, like you said earlier, a lot of times those artists did do exactly the things that they didn't want to do for their era until they got to the point they were big enough. I remember when J. Cole was coming up, bro. J. Cole used to go crazy on YouTube, right? Go look at J. Cole YouTube today. He, he probably ain't posting since the, what, the shit with that producer. Before that, he hadn't posted in like a year or something, right? Yep. Because he worked himself to that position. Frank Ocean, great example, right? People love throwing Frank Ocean. Actually, Frank Ocean and The Weeknd. People love using them as an example, which if people remember, there was a time where Frank Ocean used to go crazy on Tumblr. Frank Ocean used to be like posting on Tumblr like four or five times a day. The Weeknd used to have a blog, or no, he actually was on the OVO blog. He might have a Tumblr too. It was either he had his own blog site or he had a, maybe a Weeknd Tumblr. He used to be posting like crazy on this shit, right? So these artists use the platforms of their time to get themselves into a position where now they don't have to do this anymore, right? Yeah. So that's the side of it where I will say if you want to compare yourself to artists that are bigger than you, you have to go back to the point, to the point in their career where they were where you are. You can't, and so if, if you are at a two and you're looking at the, an artist that is an eight, you can't use their eight tactics, right? You have to go and try to figure out what were they doing when they were a two. I can follow that. That's maybe more realistic for me, but I can't expect to even get access to all the eight level things that could go for me or you know, not even access, I can't even expect it to work, right? There's strategies that we could do for Drake that wouldn't work for Lou, who the fuck, whatever, with a thousand of listeners, because the other foundational things haven't been set. So, yeah, I think that's the dark side, bro. Looking at the grass on the other side, not realizing that that shit is green, because a lot of care went into that shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just in a different space in life, put it that way. Like, it's like having a four-year-old and then looking at somebody else with a 20-year-old and be like, and well, her son take care of the bills. <laughs> He's like, mom, only four. I can't even read. Like, what's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's, it's just different. Now, the other side of paying attention to artists. You want to speak on that? Yeah, I do. Go ahead. So, no, flip side of it is that bigger artists a lot of times can be a great wealth of information for what you should be doing to at least look like you're at a higher level, mm -hmm. right? So great example, a lot of times what I tell newer artists, because like, a lot of times newer artists, the trouble with, the, with their marketing campaigns is that their branding and like foundational stuff doesn't look nice, right? They got shitty pictures on their Spotify, maybe no pictures, you know, they, they just present themselves in a way where they don't look serious. And what I tell them to do is like, hey, go find three to five artists that are in your genre, look at the way they got their Spotify set up. Look at the way they got their YouTube set up. Look at the way they got their Apple set up, their audio. Look at the way they got everything set up and then go emulate that to the best of your ability because, you know, it's not going to produce the same short-term impact, but you will at least look like someone that should be taken more seriously. You know what I'm saying? Because you're doing all the things that I, as a music consumer, am used to seeing my favorite artists do. Which for most music consumers, their favorite artists tend to be bigger artists who got a lot more stability and resources to do shit. So I think that bigger artists can be great wealth of information when it comes to presentation and branding. And, you know, if you learn how to pay attention to them, you can find like marketing avenues for yourself. Like one of my favorite things to do when we got an influence campaign 
Go find a related artist of that artist. Go look at who been tagging this motherfucking posting shit. Oh, great. Here go five repost pages I didn't even know about. You know what I'm saying? Let it tag Lil Baby this week. Our client sounds like Lil Baby. Get them on these same five pages or something, right? So they can be great, great tools for like, um, yeah, just research in general and figuring out the direction you want to move in. And outside of that, that actually might be it. And then, like, and then I kind of said it out loud. That's something I can think of. And then I said it out loud. Just re- purely just research really is only good. <laughs> good side of it yeah i mean <laughs> so there's that actually there's three ways paying attention to artists it can become self-sabotage one thinking the grass is greener and, and doing the wrong levels comparison and two you spoke on the side that you should be doing versus the self-sabotage angle of hey i don't want to be like them or, or copy uh, them. that's really what what that is right but you should be so you gave the solution in some cases you should understand what to mimic um and understand how i can use it to find my fan base which is a part you referenced from earlier yeah but third is paying attention to artists are we on third no this number four now well now you said it's three ways to look at that yeah so it's three yeah third that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but it's technically the number four of a way that artists self-sabotage but the third way that paying attention to artists can mess you up which is paying attention to artists who are not yet in a place of success and they're spreading negativity or misinformation that keeps you from also being successful. All right. And we see this in comments a lot. We see this in many environments, let's, but let's just stick with the comments where I remember seeing an artist say, man, all you gotta do is like y'all complicating stuff. All you gotta do is get an LLC and buy a little capital, and next thing you know, you'll be Jay Z. Like that's basically what it came down to. Right? It's like if people think starting an LLC is like magic. Yeah. <laughs> you like, oh, you started an LLC, and now, now you're a billionaire. No, no one cares that you started an LLC, right? So that type of mentality, or making it seem like everything's evil in the industry. I'm big on programming. I, I just recorded a short on a short on this, but the. Like when I say programming, I mean like your own mental programming, what you take into your spirit, what you take into your mind, whatever. Like we are humans and we only work off of inputs. Once we have our inputs, then we create our outputs, right? So if you take in this message of the industry is evil at all times, everybody's trying to screw you over, et cetera, et cetera. At some point, subconsciously, your mind's not going to want to make that dream happen anymore. Because that dream became a nightmare. Everything that you imagine is being clouded with, well, if I get there, oh, man, it's going to be, like, it's going to be scary. I'm going to like watch my back. Next thing you know, you're wondering, like, well, man, how come I don't have the energy to, like, just go hard? Or why am I not, like, energized by what am I doing, yeah. what I'm doing? Yeah. So, like, if you take in all these messages from the people on uh, and other artists that are doing this type of stuff, and also the people on YouTube who really don't know much about the industry, but they like spreading that message because it gets a lot of clicks and you're always going to have a lot of clicks and views on those type of videos. And that level of programming in your mind, it, again, is only going to become subconsciously a barrier that keeps you from getting where you say you want to go. Right. So those are a couple ways. Like, but I, I want to stop just to, for you to add on like some things that you see artists doing to other artists that are stopping other artists. I mean, really that, man. You're already touching on it because what I've come to realize is that artists very rarely tell the whole story, good or bad. 
right? So artists might be like, hey, I don't know. Marketing agencies are fucked up. Last marketing agency I worked with didn't do a great job. And then, you know what I'm saying, it, it went terrible. And you as an artist looking up like, ah, oh, marketing agencies, fuck marketing agencies, blah, blah, blah. But what that artist didn't tell you is that, I don't know, maybe the song was trash. Right, a lot of artists, a lot of artists love to leave that part out that people didn't like the music. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Um, or maybe their content was bad. Maybe they weren't listening to the things that their marketer was telling them to do. Maybe they went against somebody's better decision and picked the marketer with a strategy that didn't make sense. Right, and so they they don't they very rarely tell the other side. Same thing with with the good stuff. Right, artists will tell you like, hey, I blew up doing X Y Z method. This is all you need to do. But then they might not even tell you like the 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 nuances that went into the strategy, right? Or they might they might have forgot to mention like, oh yeah, when I got to around step three, you know what I'm saying? My uncle introduced me to this A and R, and that really helped me, you know what I'm saying, get to step four much. Like like they they'll leave out a lot of pieces of the story for the good and the bad, right? Because everybody wants to seem like they did everything themselves, yeah, and yeah. like it's gonna kill their brand to find out that they got help, which goes into the industry plan conversation, yeah which is symbolic of something that's distracting and self-sabotaging for artists. But there's many other ways this thing manifests. But let's stick on that. The industry plant conversation. All it adds up to, in my opinion, is artists focusing on shit that artists shouldn't be focused on. Mm -hmm. You're watching this other man or this other woman and what she's achieving in his her career, what he's achieving in his career, and then trying to deduce why they're successful to whatever you think their circumstances are. One, in your mind, you're tricking yourself to think, I have to have all these resources that you have no access to, right, to become successful. So again, you're telling yourself you can't get there. Programming. But on the other side, this little circle jerk of conversation that we keep pushing only distracts you from paying attention to the fans who don't give a fuck about none of that stuff. What they care about, you have some fans who are like super into the music culture and things like that, and they'll pay attention to that stuff and make you think that real fans and most fans care about that stuff. Most fans don't care about that stuff. Most of that stuff, when you're accusing this artist of being that, your actual fans never even hear of it. Like literally, it's just, they it doesn't exist in real life. It'll so shock you. So Corey knows I do this all the time. I was like, oh yeah, I got radio stations and things I'll listen to to keep myself in the world of what regular people think, because you get in this music shit and you'll be thinking people think this the kind of stuff all the time, right? Talking with other marketers, talking with other execs, talking with other artists. The regular world that you're actually trying to impact, none of this shit is on their radar. Yeah. They're not saying, oh, you do this and you did that and that's why I like it. No, they don't, <laughs> they're not thinking like that, yeah. right? So don't get distracted with these conversations, especially the negative ones that other artists are pushing when it's ultimately about something that your actual fans don't care about, focus on the people who should be your fans and pay attention to the things that make them tick. Yeah. Period. Yeah. All right. I mean, last thing I'll, I'll just add to that too is like always remember that artists are, are talking from their perspective. So it's never truly like a, a good or bad thing, but sometimes like artists get caught up in a very positive bubble that doesn't make sense. So, like, great example. You got a client we talked about that did a lot through TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Great success through TikTok. And I remember having a conversation 
with him about like certain things and was being like, hey, you know, this will help and this will help. And he's like, oh, I don't think that matters because, you know, all I need to do is X, Y, Z and that shit hit. It's like, yeah, that worked for you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh-oh. Um, but that doesn't mean that the other people don't necessarily need to do these things. And I would still argue that if you were to add all these things into it, it would be a much bigger situation. We're gonna call that number five. That's a, that's what all I call that a different point. And that's a, so it's a, it's four reasons out of these five why like you shouldn't be paying attention to other artists. Not that you can't, but <laughs> yes, listening to them from a standpoint of success and hey all the power to them. Why should I, you not listen to someone who's done something, something yeah. successfully? Listen to them, but you can't take what they say as gospel because some of them don't have the awareness to realize that, all right, yeah, that worked for you, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody, just like you said. Yeah. And they'll, because they'll start downing other paths of success and saying they don't work. Yeah. Oh my gosh, TikTok doesn't work because I just went over here. And the TikTok artists will be like, YouTube doesn't work. We just, we just talked about Adrian. Adrian blew up from lightly. Off of some shit we did on YouTube, yeah. no TikTok involved, right? Yeah. All right, so yeah, definitely don't <laughs> allow someone to use their success to preach that their version of success is the only thing that works. Yeah, and that's why you know, I mean, I I appreciate the new artist economy of them giving information and game, but I still personally think some of the best people to give career advice is people behind the artist. Because they usually have like multiple perspectives on the same thing. Like, like, yeah. like when we talk about marketing, I'll tell people like, hey, there are some artists out there who only know a good marketing campaign. And some people are like, what's wrong with that? I'm like, because the moment they have a bad one, they're not gonna know how to handle it. Versus someone like us, we've seen the good and the bad. So when we see the bad happening, we know how to handle it, we know how to fix it. When we see the good happening, we know how to take advantage of it and move. Someone that's only ever had good things happen to them, most of the time when they hit a bad moment, the shit starts breaking down and crumbling, right? And so. Like that, there are some artists out there who like have just been like winning consistently to a point to where you can't really ask them like, what should you do in a situation when you're losing? You know what I'm saying? They're not the right people to answer that question for you because it's been so long since they had the. Yeah, you know, be like, ask, it'd be like asking like Jay Z today, like, what would you do as a rock artist? Don't know, bro. He's been, <laughs> he's been successful for like 30 years. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's that's such a distant memory in his head from a different time. You know what I'm saying? Versus like. An artist today who's coming up maybe could give you a little bit more. Like an artist who just started popping this year could probably give you a better answer than the artist that's been popping for the last 10 years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's how I look at it, man. Like, everybody is speaking through their, their own lens, especially artists, because artists, you know, as much as it sucks, most of y'all don't care about other artists and what's going on there. So y'all, a lot of times, look at, only see what's going on in your world, which can be a good thing most of the times, but can also be a bad thing a lot of the times, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I just look at it like be holistic of what you're getting information from. Listen to the artists that are successful because, like you said, they 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 have points, they have validity, they've done it. Um, but then also you know seek perspectives from people that have multiple perspectives on the same thing. They they have been in situations where they had to look outside of themselves in order for this thing to work or, or or not work or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you said a mouthful right there, Brett. To be honest, that you know, those people behind the scenes. What I think people miss is oftentimes the people behind the scenes are taking care of things that the artist don't have, doesn't have to think about. Yes, yeah. So you're yep. missing a lot of things because the artist might just think it happened when it didn't just happen. And then you have the artist who's more evolved. Still, they take their own unique qualities for granted. So that's not even a diss. It's just like, yeah, bro, you don't realize how charismatic you are. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or... 
Like, Shawty, you don't realize that your looks are swaying this person a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I can't do that as a male artist who doesn't, you know what I mean? Or, hey, bro, you, like, girls like your eyes and stuff. My eyes ain't that color, bro. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just different things that apply to different people. And sometimes the artists don't give themselves credit for the unique qualities they have and why it worked for them and wouldn't work for another person. Where you have, um, let's say, a music executive who's been in the game for X amount of years or a label executive or even a mar marketers like us who are working across multiple artists where you're like, ah, yeah, this will work for him, but this won't work for them. So we need this um, stable of strategies for this person because this set of strategies and they they might be able to use one or two, but they're not going to shake like that for, for that person, which is cool, right? But yeah, success is a great thing to watch, but you also have to take the success, the advice of that successful person um, when, it, when they're being so specific about what works and what doesn't with a grain of salt. Now, when they speak on principles, usually the principles will be like similar, yeah. right? Or like an overall strategy, but the, but the specifics were speaking on things outside of what did work for them. That's where you want to, you want to be a little bit more cautious. Um, and I, f I feel like if we say we'll just be talking about paying attention to artists for like 20 more points. So let's get into a completely different point because <laughs> we talked about not listening to artists. You should be listening to your fans. Mm -hmm. But point number six, there's a balance between listening to your fans. Yeah. Yeah. Don't listen too much to your fans because sometimes your fans, they ask for stuff that they won't even necessarily care about when it really releases. They hype you up. <laughs> and make you think, oh, they gonna, I'm gonna kill them with this because they've been asking for it, and then they won't go listen. They don't always know exactly what they want. You go back to the if I asked them what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse instead of a car, yeah. right? Because they can't even think about cars. So sometimes artistically, you know your vision and you know where you want to take things, and there's no way for them to think of that for you because they haven't seen it from you, and they're only thinking of incremental improvements based off of where you are, where you might have a moon leap of improvement. You know, you might be Kanye who just created college drop route all the way to graduation and say, oh, I want to do 808s and heartbreaks. You think anybody saw 808s and heartbreaks for Kanye? I'm not doing, like I said, college drop route. Like, you're not thinking, <laughs> right? So you might have something you want to pr provide and you have to, and that's why it's important to have your own POV and your own mission to drive you. And then when you have that foundation, there's some things that you can start to listen to fans and take some of their feedback and then still having your, which also goes back to just having a plan and a strategy. That's part of the mission, right? You have, it's, it's a sense of plan that'll help you decipher which of the feedback is useful, which of it is completely meaningless. And then there's some nuances from there, but at least from a general pr perspective, that'll help out a lot. Yeah. And like what I've noticed too, is like, there are usually, usually artists have like two types of fans. There's, like one of the like actual fans. Well, so I guess I should say three. There'll be the fans who say they're fans but aren't really fans. It's kinda like, you know, haters in disguise, like observers in disguise, like under the title of the fan. But they say and do shit where you know like this motherfucker ain't a fan, right? Yeah. And then when you get into like actual fans, there is the selfish fan, the fan that only wants to keep you to him or herself. Right. And they're the ones that get upset that you're doing things that continue growing and go, Oh man, I want you to stay a secret forever. Right. I remember when I was the only one that was listening to you. And then there are the fans that 
want you to blow and understand why you might be doing things you're doing, even if they don't understand, right? And you really want more of those types of fans, right? The selfish fans are cool. They still are fans. They're still going to support and whatever, but hey, man, they ain't pushing the ball down the field, you know what I'm saying? Versus the other fans are going to be like, oh, I, I understand why you're doing this. And so like, I, I just had this conversation with an artist homie a couple of days ago because he called me. He was like, yo, man, like, you think I'm being corny with my Instagram Reels post? I was like, no, I don't think so. He's like, man, because a lot of fans are commenting saying like they feel like I'm posting too much and I'm doing whatever. He's like, but I just got like like 400,000 views on Reels the last week. Like I gained like, you know what I'm saying, like, like a couple thousand followers. And I was like, exactly, which is why you shouldn't fucking listen to them because if you listen to them, none of this would be how you would stop and none of this would be happening. So in this situation, they don't know what the fuck is going on. Another example, we had a, we had a artist that, he wasn't a client, which is cool with him. And he had a song that was going viral on TikTok. And I remember he called me, he was like, yo, this song's going viral, like, what should I do? I was like, don't shut up about it. Like, keep posting about it. And he started doing it, and I'd be reading his comments, and people were like, damn, man, it's like the fifth time this weekend promoting this song. This is, you know what I'm saying, all, this, all he's doing is talking about this song, right? Fans are literally sound like, hey, I'm getting sick of you talking about this, but the streams are still going up. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. the, the streams are still moving, his followers are still growing. So it's like, you know, what I've come to realize with the, I guess the way you kind of treat ideas with fans is that they're going to give you their per, their opinion from the perspective of someone that's been following you for a while. So, of course, it's annoying to them, right? Like, I like you. I've seen all 20 posts that you've posted around this thing. That is why I am particularly annoyed. But they don't think about, they think you're doing it for them, which a lot of times you might be. They're not thinking about the fact that you're doing it to attract more of them, right? That's the part they like block out sometimes. I'm annoyed that you're talking about this thing because I'm sick of it, but you're like, bro, this ain't even for you. You know what I'm saying? This is for the, the like my friend, right? The 300,000 people that had never seen him before until they came across his reel. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's what he was doing it for, you know, just as much as he might have been doing it for the, the current fans. So that's what I think about when it comes to taking advice from fans. There are some things where I think it makes sense, right? What do they want to buy? Great, great, great. Uh, time to get fan perspective, right? Um, market research, right? Who are you listening to? What do you like to do? Things like that. That was, that was a great time to listen to artists. Um, you know, and so there, there are going to be moments where it's like, yeah, like bring the fans into the fold and, and get their perspective. But there's going to be times where like you have to cut them off and then be like, hey, you motherfuckers going to get what I give you. You know what I'm saying? And you either can sit here and enjoy the ride yeah. Or you can leave and come back when you feel comfortable, bro. It's Instagram, bro. Don't follow me and come back in two weeks when the rollout done. You know what I'm saying? If you're sick of seeing my videos every day. That's <laughs> part of having your own principle, your own perspective, mm -hmm. and something for them to respect. Yeah. All right? Versus people pleasing your fans. You can't people please your fans. That's only going to knock you off. They can, they can smell that shit, bro. Man. Fans are like sharks, bro. Like they, they, they sense blood, bro. Like, hey, so. Yeah. And, you know, that's how you get the bricks. Yeah. Like that's just how it, you when you allow people to build you up, bust you down, all of that starts with doing too much listening to them. So yeah, it's definitely a balance with listening to fans. Or just to close it off, you said something when you talked about like fans, right? Seeing you post something more more and more times, right? Yeah. And it made me think about principles of growth, something that people ignore pretty often. And that's the fact that if I want to grow, then I can't stay the same, mm. right? I have to get more. Like, economically, I have to add fans at all times to continue to grow. Because if I don't do anything and I have 100 fans, I'm going to lose fans. 
nobody's going to stay a fan forever. Now, and what I mean by fan, I mean an active fan. All right. We all have lives. I'm sitting here and I got right now. I have kids. I have a wife. I might have my businesses. Who knows what more responsibility I, I, I'll take on. A couple, you know, you go years back. It's just me. Yeah. I'm just chilling. You know, I got more time to give. Right. I have less to give in terms of fan behaviors. You know what I'm saying? I have to make be more selective with choices. Somebody else, you could they could be single, right? But they have to work harder because they got a new job and I'm heads down. Mm-hmm. So I'm being more selective with my content. So you're not gonna have that active, super active fan base. And you need as many people to algorithmically perform well and get things seen. Yeah. So you have to always be adding people on, always be growing. Again, because if you do not continue to grow, get more visibility, you're only going to lose fans. And those people who are complaining, hey, you keep posting, you keep posting, they're going to leave anyway. Like, it's, even if they're not leaving because you're posting, they were going to leave because something else occurred in their life where they didn't want to pay attention to you. Right. So you have to always grow and always remind yourself that like I, I got to figure out how I could keep adding more fire to this flame. Yeah. Uh, that just is what it is. Yeah, facts, facts. Now, with that being said, we got some more topics, but we're going to hold them for another episode. This is yet another episode of No Labels Necessary. Catch us every Tuesday, every Thursday. I'm Brandman Shaw. And I'm Corey. We out. Peace.